God is faithful. Bigger than my problem, bigger than my pain, God is faithful. Hallelujah. I thank God that he says that he is faithful to deliver his word. Amen. So I don't have to, all I have to do is do due diligence and he's going to let his word do what his word does. I'm so thankful for that. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for everything that you are doing. Uh, Thank you, God, for the fact that you uh, love us, Lord, that you care for us deeply, um, that you have a purpose and a plan for each and every one of us, Lord. You have a purpose and a plan for your church, God, and I'm so thankful for that, Lord. We come before you today, Lord, asking you if you would just meet us at our point of need that you would touch us, Lord, where we need to be touched, Lord, that somebody, Lord, would hear the gospel today and that they would be saved, somebody would be made better, and that all would walk out those doors encouraged in your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to be in church this morning, good to be with everybody here today. Um, As Pastor Gary said, we are in the book of Mark, um, and I'm just so thankful for what he's doing um, and what this series has been, Um, and I just pray that as we jump in, uh, you would be open to what God is saying to each and every one of us. In the New York uh, Harbor, uh, there's a lady that stands tall. Uh, She holds a torch in her hand, giving light. Inscribed on the pedestal in which she stands are these famous words. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses, yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, The tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. We know this lady as Lady Liberty. She stands there in the New York Harbor with a crown with seven spikes on it. The seven spikes represent the seven seas and the seven continents. In other words, no matter where you are in the world, you can come to America. You can come with all your mess. You can come with all your problems. You can come with all your burdens. You can come with all of your needs. You can come because Lady Liberty is holding a lit torch to show you the way. At the bottom of Lady Liberty's feet is a chain. And if you've ever seen the picture, that chain, or if you've ever been there, that chain has been broken. She's inviting the broken and bruised people who have been held hostage in one way or one situation or another. No matter where you are in the world, they are welcome to come to America to find freedom. God is holding the same promise of freedom to those who are looking to escape bondage. He welcomes all to come and bring their problems, their burdens, and their needs. He is the ultimate torch, and he is faithful to show us the way. In our story today, we're going to hear about a man, 
And we're gonna hear about a man who was bound by the power of Satan and then who finds hope and finds freedom in the power of God, in the power of Jesus Christ. As he finds this power, when you start to read this, you may not recognize this man. When you start to read about him, you may say to yourself, oh, don't compare me to him. He's crazy. He's out of control. And as you read on to his story and hear about him, you may even begin to, to, to say to yourself, well, I would never let myself get to that point. But as we go through these 20 verses today, I want to petition you to think twice. If you've ever been in a dead place, if you ever hung out with dead people, if you've ever been in a place to where you are bound, then you may find yourself in this story. So don't count yourself out. I think we can all find, if nothing but a small part, in this story today. Meet me in Mark chapter 5. We're going to go through verses 1 through 20. Mark chapter 5, 1 through 20. It reads this way. It says, They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. The man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? He said, my name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside, and the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him but said, Go home to your family. Tell them how much. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you how he has had mercy on you. 
So the man went away and began to tell the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. I love that passage. Go home and tell them all that he's done for you. Amen. Has he done anything for anybody in here today? So we find ourselves in this country. Uh, We're in this country. Where we are in this country is very important. This country is on the eastern shore of the opposite of, uh, opposite of Galilee. So it's, on, it's actually opposite both spiritually and geographically, and we'll get back to that in a minute. It is Gentile country. Up till now, Jesus had primarily visited Jewish territories. This is the only account in this gospel where Jesus travels to what we consider Gentile territory. Now, there is some disagreement among scholars about that in this particular passage. Uh, so you'll have to study that for yourself. Now, many scholars believe it's Gentile territory, but it's for two reasons. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but the two reasons are, one, Jesus would not, uh, Jesus would not or Jews, rather, would not go to the tombs for fear of being contaminated uh, by a dead body. And then, two, pigs were ceremonially unclean in Jewish practice. We see this in Deuteronomy um, 14, Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 8, where it says, you are not to eat meat or touch their dead carcasses, or touch their carcasses. So how did we get ourselves here in this place today? How did we get to where scholars tell us is the most bizarre story in the Bible? We really don't know, but we have a few clues that we can gather through one of my favorite parts of sermon preparation, and it's called literary context. Literary context in the simplest form is simply looking at a genre and then taking those genres because they each have a rule for each genre and then doing what we're going to do today and that is is looking at the surrounding verses and passages to determine the meaning. So before we get to chapter 5 verses 1 through 20, uh, you heard on our last message that Pastor Gary preached in this series. Remember we just finished the the four uh, messages on values and mission, which was amazing, by the way, for where we're going. Um, But his last message in this particular series, he preached from Mark 4, 35 through 41, where he he talked to us about Jesus in the storm and in the boat. You remember that. I know it was four weeks ago. So uh, before before they got in the boat, Jesus said something that gives us a clue to how we ended up here. And I'll keep it brief, um, as you can always do your own study. But he says in chapter 4, verse 35, let us go over to the other side. Let us go over to the other side. See, the other side where the Gentiles, is where the Gentiles hung their hats. Jesus is making a point, and he makes many points, but the one, he's make, one of the ones he's making here is that salvation is for everyone, not just the Jew, not just the wealthy, not just the college-bound, not just the virgins, not just PKs, not just the ones who have it all together. It's for the Gentiles. It's for the poor. It's for the, the GEDs. It's for the dropouts. It's for the teenage pregnant woman. It's for those who find themselves in darkness. So he says, let's go over to the other side. And they get there, and a man with an evil spirit comes from the tombs to meet him. Yes, the tombs. It's sort of weird, I know. I mean, we've seen disabled men. We've seen uh, sick women. We've seen uh, dead people. We've seen blonde people. Blonde people. We've seen, bl- <laughs> we've seen blind people. We've seen lepers. 
all living among the people, uh, but this man came from the tombs. He was isolated. He was alone. He found more comfort among the dead than he did the living. I wonder how many of us are sitting there today, find it more comfortable living in isolation, struggling with our alone, alone with our stuff. While God, while, while God is all the while saying here, listen, I have people in your community, abundant life, not to mention I am the way. By the way, the title of this message is Freedom from the Way. He had, he had been so controlled by other things that he was unusually strong. That's, that's one of the bizarre things about when we read through this. He was unusually strong. No one could bind him, not even with a chain. They tried, but he broke the chains apart, and he broke the irons on his feet. My favorite show when I was a kid was The Incredible Hulk. I had the T-shirt. I had the action figures, all of that. Um, but Bruce Banner's inner force of rage was caused by gamma radiation in that show. And it's like that with this man whose inner force of rage is caused by something inside of him that he's lost control over, that he has let in. Desperate, our text tells us that he began to cut himself with stones. Something else was controlling him, another spirit. I have a question for you. What controls you? What do you allow to control you? What has you in a place so bound that you're, that you're harming yourself? Listen, it may not be cutting yourself with stones, um, but if it is, let me be clear, cutting is a real thing. I urge you to tell someone and to talk to Jesus about it. He can break those chains. But what's causing harm within you? Is it anger? You're not where you want to be. You don't think you measure up. You're angry all the time. You don't know why. You're tearing into people out of control. Some of you already found where you relate. Is Satan controlling you by waving your past into your face? Does he have you acting out in ways that your mother and your grandmother and all the women in your family have been prone to do? Did you know that anytime Satan has occupied a part of your life for a period of time, he's not going to let you go without you fighting? He wants to stay. So even if you don't feel like you have any fight left in you, I know some of you are there today. Let me tell you, you got someone on your side that's stronger than this man, that's stronger than the Incredible Hulk, that's stronger than Satan. He's stronger than Satan. So it's possible for you to come out from whatever has got you bound. I'm here to remind you that Jesus has power over all things. We can celebrate that this morning. See, Satan will make you feel like the only thing you can do is isolate yourself, to go into a corner and mumble crazy things to yourself. Some of us do that in subtle ways. Uh, I was in, a, I was in um, a colleague's office this past Friday, 
and I was looking at going over some documents, and uh, it's, it's one of those corner offices, so she was, uh, we were social distancing, in case you wanted to know. He, she's on the other side of the uh, office, and she's organizing some things in her cabinets. And uh, as she finished up, I heard her talk about how she did it wrong, how she made a mistake. And I heard her say the words, you're stupid. What were you thinking? Bonehead came out of her mouth. When she noticed it, I guess that's the first thing that came. So maybe for some of you, it's, it's the words that you're saying to yourself. Or perhaps it's the words that others have said to you throughout the years. And even though you don't believe them, and even though you'll verbally say that, you, you're, you're acting as if you do. This man was antisocial. He was subhuman, if you will, just pure evil. But verse 6 says that when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. Now, as he knelt before Jesus, I kept thinking about this passage, uh, how this passage said that he was crying out to Jesus, and how, he said, and how today, you know, we worship a God uh, who, who is a spirit, and that, you know, he can hear us. He's omnipresent, so he can hear us, and, he, and he's there, you know, wherever we are. And, and I just kept thinking that maybe, maybe this man, it's not in the text, so don't, you know, take my next sentence as gospel, but I just wonder if Jesus heard him crying out from the tombs as they were headed to the other side. Or maybe the reason that he went to the other side was because of that. Maybe he knew he was going to run into him. And let's not read into it. Um, that's what we, that's what we uh, teach and we ought to teach. But, but it's healthy to have a little imagination sometimes when reading scripture. So they arrive. He comes and kneels at Jesus' feet and shouting loudly. Imagine this coming up, shouting loudly. Um, I can imagine Jesus looking at him saying, hey, listen, listen, listen. I know it's been a while since you've been around people. Uh, you know, I know you've been able to talk to yourself as loud as you want out there in the tombs, but you're going to have to take it down a notch. Stop your screaming. Uh, but, but he shouts, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you evil spirit. Let me note something here. If you think Satan, your enemy, doesn't know you, you're mistaken. If the enemy doesn't know you, trust me, that's not a badge of honor. Earlier, we talked about literary context. Well, let's look at something in surrounding scripture again. When Jesus calmed the storm at that very last verse in, the, in our last message uh, in this book, in Mark chapter 4, verse 41, what did the disciples say at the end of those verses? Let me tell you, because I, I didn't give this verse to the team. They said, in a terrified voice, by the way, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? His own disciples did not know who they were with. Sure, they knew him as rabbi. They knew him as a teacher uh, and such, but not as son of God. So here this man comes up. Remember, the demons are speaking through him, and he says, what do you want with me, son of the most high God? Satan knows who Jesus is, and he knows who you are. Let me be clear, Satan is a defeated foe, but it, doesn't, but it doesn't mean that he doesn't know you. He knows what makes you feel ashamed. 
He knows what makes you want to isolate and become a hermit. He knows what makes you lose your boldness. He knows what past mistakes you're embarrassed about. He knows how you handle stress and what you turn to during those times. He knows you and he will attack you in those areas. That's why we have to stay on our knees and stay in this book. He knows the only you that your boyfriend or girlfriend knows. He, the only, he knows the you that only your spouse knows. He knows the online you. He knows about that social media account that your spouse and your brothers or sisters don't know about. He knows that workplace you. And check it out. He knows the Sunday morning you. He knows that you can't hang around after church and go to lunch with the brothers or, or go to lunch with your sister or, or your, other high school, uh, your other high school brothers and sisters because the Sunday morning you is hard to keep up. Oh, Holy Spirit. Really, there should, there, there should only be one you. It may be different in some ways and in different places. The Apostle Paul talks about being all things to all people so that we could win some. So the Jason my coworkers see is the same Jason my family sees, but different in many ways. My coworkers don't get the Jason that my bride and my three kids get. That energy and that affection and that love and that rawness and that openness is for them only and for my brothers. But there should only be one you. Now Jesus now asked him, what is your name? He responded, my name is Legion, for we are many. You see that? For we are many. He, he's got stuff inside him. He's got a lot of stuff inside him, as do we. So they're sitting there, and Jesus asked him, what's your name? Responded Legion. He said, we are many. And now what does that tell us, tell us about this man? That tells us that he lost his identity to his demons. He lost his identity to his demons. He bears their name, and he's controlled by their power. He's in the tombs. Ever been there? Chained, naked. Our, uh, we're in Mark, so Mark doesn't uh, tell us that, but Luke, in Luke's account, he says he was naked. Separated from God. And they start to panic and begin to beg Jesus. Please don't send us out of there. We're, we're, we're enjoying ourselves in here. <laughs> His people even try to chain him up. His own people try to chain him up. But he says, we, you know, the demons are saying, we broke him out. Isn't that crazy? His own community. At this point, they're, they're recognizing Jesus' power and authority on earth and in heaven. Remember, he normally runs up on people with rage, and now he's running up on Jesus with reverence. The reason the demons are asking not to be sent away is because they understood that their future was in Jesus' hands. And they understood that the end was coming at an appointed time and that Jesus had the authority to stay their execution. They don't think Jesus is going to hurt them, but they may be completely do away with them, perhaps ending their allotted time prematurely. They would rather let their grip on this man go and get inside the pigs and destroy the people's property, causing economic damage and heavy hearts for the owners of the pigs. Eventually, they hope that their focus 
they'll focus on the loss and not on Jesus. That way they can get them under their control. How many times do we do that as God's kids? We focus on the loss. We focus on what seems to be being taken from us. But many times God is doing something and we're so distracted by the loss that we miss what he's trying to give us. Uh, that's a word for somebody. It's, it's similar in our lives. Satan doesn't want us to leave the areas of, of you know, the life that, uh, areas of our life that need work, right? Within our family, our ministry, our job, um, areas of influence, your relationship with God, your struggles, your personal tombs. He, he likes to occupy places that haven't been cleansed, places that are hidden, places that are dormant. I love what John 2 says, verse 25. It says, Jesus knows all people and needs no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knows what's in man. He knows what's in you. So let him in so you can be free. So about 2,000 pigs are sitting close by, and, uh, and they said, send us in there, send us into the, big, the pigs. Jesus gives them permission, and the evil spirits came out of the man and went into the pigs. The pigs then rush down the steep embankment into the water. You've heard the story, into the lake, and then they're drowned. They didn't know that was going to happen. They, they thought that they could, you know, compromise or bargain with Jesus, trying to, trying to stay alive, but God is bigger, and God is more powerful than any demon. We need not fret because God is in control. Let him control and order your life, not the enemy of your soul. You have to be able to tell the difference. In the following verses, we see those who were tending to the pigs, the herdsmen, they went back down and they reported all that had happened and all that they had seen. And the people from the town and countryside came up to see what had happened. As they approached Jesus, they saw the man was, that was possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed in his right mind and listened to this, and they were afraid. Afraid? Would that be our response? Isn't it funny how people love to see the crazy you, but they're taken back by the redeemed you? <laughs> they were so afraid that they began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. The power of Christ was too much for them. They wanted him gone because he was costing them money. I guess they said the people needed their pig's feet and ham hocks and chitlins and, and such. But they are in essence saying, we don't want your healing. We don't want your peace. We don't want to change. You're stirring things up, Jesus. Can you just go back and do your ministry elsewhere? Their superstition kept them from trusting in anyone that had that much power. They feared Jesus more than they did the demon-possessed man. They cared more for the pigs who were most likely ready for the market, right, to be sold more than they did their fellow human being. Their love for the world had control of them. In fact, him being healed makes them face the part that they may have played, the community, in his disease. They chained him up. They pushed him aside. Our default as a society is to constrain and isolate. 
How often does that happen right before us? However, just as the Gerasenes had exposed this man to rage and hatred and isolation, Jesus exposed him to love and community. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that encouraging? As we look at this, as we, as we wrap up, uh, Jesus goes to get back in the boat, and the man begs him to go with him. I want to go with Jesus. I can see him there singing Marvin Sapp's song, Never could have made it without you. I would have lost it all. But now I see that you were there for me. Marvin Sapp says, I'm stronger, I'm wiser, I'm better, much better. Love that song. He's no longer in bondage. He's no longer evil, having submitted to the transformation through Christ's power in grace. He was chained, and now he's in his right mind. He was naked, and now he's dressed. He was separated from God, and now he's walking with God. He who was last became first. Jesus responds to this man's request by saying, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and had mercy on you. So he went away and began to tell the Decapolis. Why did they just say he began to tell the people? The Decapolis stood for 10 cities in that area. So he didn't just go home and tell mom and dad. He didn't just go home and tell grandpa and grandma. He went to tell the world. Anyone seeing our core values in this passage? Community, discipleship, mission? Before we go, let me give you four takeaways for you to apply as needed in your life, and I'll be brief for the sake of time. Number one is become more aware of his presence. Kimball led us in a song a few weeks ago, and I've just been singing it ever since, and I hope you know its importance. God is speaking. God is healing. He's freeing people's minds. He's loosing shackles. But we have to get close to him in these days to come. So become more aware of his presence. Number two, keep dark things in the light. As we establish, the enemy knows you, and he knows some of the areas of our lives. So, so keep those dark things before him. Keep those dark things before a few good men, a few good women, a few good of your peers, or else we may find ourselves isolating to, to isolation, ashamed and embarrassed to call ourselves child of God for the power of God through Jesus Christ can do it. Number three, sit at Jesus' feet even when there is not a need. Sit at Jesus' feet even when there's not a need. You know, we have a tendency as believers sometimes to sit at Jesus' feet looking for information. You know, God, when do I send in this resume? Uh, when are you going to do this or that? How much longer? Sometimes, actually really most of the time, we need to just sit and praise him. We just need to sit and thank him. We need to bring our most wicked feelings and thoughts and experiences with us for him to fight. Our strength comes from him. Our strength comes from him.
And last, cleanse yourself as a way of preparing. Cleanse yourself as a way of preparing. Listen, our church is headed in a direction that is exciting and challenging, and we need every single one of you. And when I think about cleansing, I think about Ephesians 5.26 where it talks to husbands and he talks about uh, cleansing and telling men to, to cleanse their, their wives, wash them over with the word of God. Amen. So we ought to do the same for ourselves, all of us. Cleansing in that simple verse simply means getting into God's word, hearing his word, reading his word, obeying his word. We got to be in it. You should be learning and, and, and memorizing scripture. Why? So that you can show how much you know about the word of God? No. Because the same as Satan, we use scripture. Uh, Pastor Gary mentioned this in one of his messages earlier. We use scripture to, to, to give back to, to Satan, just as Jesus did. Speaking scripture back to him. That's what makes him tremble. There's nothing in you that can make him tremble. But the power of God in his word can make him tremble and flee. All of us collectively will experience freedom that only comes from the way, Jesus Christ, if we will be a church, and I believe we will be a church well prepared for the Decapolis of our day. Stand with me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I just want to say a simple prayer for us, and then I'll let you go. If you find yourself here today, you find yourself bound, just bow your heads, think about your life. If you find yourself being controlled by something other than the Holy Spirit, by something other than God, I just want to pray for you. It doesn't take much. God already knows. Father, we thank you for each and every man and woman in here, Lord. And God, we want to be under your control. We want to walk in your presence. We want you to be close. We want to draw near, Lord. And as we do, Lord, there's some things, Lord, in our lives, Lord. And I pray for every person here, Lord, for everybody. But specifically, I want to pray, Father, for those, Lord, who, are, who can identify this morning something in their lives that has control over them. Maybe they're not like this man cutting themselves with stones. Maybe they haven't gone out and to live far away from everybody else. But there's other ways, Lord, in which they've done it, in which they do it. Lord, I pray that you would begin to free them. I pray, Father, just like Lady Liberty, Lord, that that chain would be broken, that it would be a permanent breaking of whatever it is, Lord, that's got them bound. God, we trust you, we believe in you, and we know that by the power of of your word and by the power of God, we can and we will be free. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Amazing.
keep you from falling and presents you before the Lord with great joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be majesty, dominion, and power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you.